Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast Feed, and this particular episode of the Four Center Podcast Feed is the Bad Batch Report. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> 
of at somebody, somebody has to, and it's not going to be me. I'm sorry, but somebody has to put together a clip of all the different noises you make. This is it'll be a little real for you. That's great. Yes. Uh, this time we got the exciting drums followed by the cackle of Gregor. Oh. Did I identify that correctly? Was you that the did. cackle of Gregor? You did. I don't know if it was the most accurate Gregor laugh, but it definitely was an homage. Look, you know, animated shows have lots of cackles. That's one of the biggest things that you got in animation is cackles. Uh, and he's got a distinctive cackle, and I think you nailed it. Mm. You know, I love that cackle. I, I didn't, and I'll tell you, we'll talk about it when we get to Gregor. I don't think I realized how much I really loved it until it, it emerged in this episode. Oh yeah, it really added a lot of flavor and uh, and horror mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> character, and uh, added to the the upsetting vibes of this. Uh, I think great episode. Anyway, let's get into it. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. The person with the good cackle is Ken Napsock. This is the Bad Batch Report. We are discussing episode 14 of Bad Batch. War Mantle, written by Damani Johnson, directed by Stuart Lee. Uh, only two episodes left. Ken, uh, mm. do you feel like we are heating up toward the big finish? <laughs> We've been saying for a couple of weeks, the foot is going to be on the gas. And man, I think uh, I think we're there. The engine is revving up. Yes, the uh, the emotional trauma, <laughs> foot on the gas, is mm-hmm. uh, foot on the gas of emotional trauma, it's all happening. I wanted to ask you, because I started pontificating about this uh, last week, as we're heading toward a little bit of an end game and we can get a sense of which threads might be resolved, which conflicts might be mm-hmm. most fully addressed, are you feeling like there is a season two waiting in the wings that hasn't been announced but they're already working on? What? I, yes. Okay. Quick answer. Yes. I, I had this thought. We're gonna, you know, we're, we're jumping all over the plot board today. I guess already, and it's wonderful. I, I, I really don't think Hunter's gonna be back with the team this season. Okay, I, I, meaning he'll be fine. He'll be rescued. But like in my head, maybe, maybe they spring him out in the final episode. I don't know. I'm bad at predictions, but just I, I had that feeling of like we're gonna keep going. This is gonna be a thing. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that sort of uh, Cami- this Camino thread, which we will talk about a plenty, yeah. is wrapping up the the end of the clones, the beginning of the stormtroopers. So much what this is about, right. uh, the ultimate conflict with Crosshair. That's really feeling like this is all where we're going, but that is leaving other threads about kind of Omega's identity and uh, the Bad Batch's kind of ultimate choice of who they want to be in the galaxy. Hunter, in particular. How- how does he choose to define soldier? Some of those bigger things feel like they are going to be left for staring off at the horizon and, and you know, still uh, addressing. I, I think some elements of them will absolutely be addressed, and I think this season will have a sense of closure. But even the little, the, the dangle uh, that we all got excited about of Omega's relationship to Boba Fett, and that's sort of its, its relevance to this era of Star Wars storytelling, maybe that will still pop up this season, but it feels like great fodder for season two. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's kind of maybe the overall feeling I had from this episode. Again, individual plot points. Yeah. Again, I could see this Hunter being sprung five minutes in the next week, but just, I had that sense of we are, we got a long, long game going and uh, I'm excited for that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. With that, let's get into this episode. What was your overall reaction? Did you love it, like it, struggle with it? Uh, do you want it to be a Tuka doll so you can hug it? How did you feel about this? Yes, yes, Ed. Yes. I wrote, here we go. You're in the great game now. Yeah. Uh, I look at last <laughs> week's episode, which you and I uh, really loved and celebrated. 
look at last week and it's like, look, they saved some money. They bought some time. And now we have one of the most cinematic episodes of Star Wars TV ever. ever. And that's, that's why the, the so-called fillers are often just smaller, intimate, a little less budget. And so you can put all the money into something like this and whatever's coming in these last two episodes. Yeah, just shockingly beautiful. Uh, everything has been beautiful this season, the level of anime or this episode or, or show of animation. But uh, it's this was really next level, I thought. Yeah, and you you and I were joking off camera. I'm like, every, every week I say to myself, don't call the show beautiful. And, and you said something so great, Joseph. You're like, why? We can. We can say it if we want. Because it is. And yeah. it is. What a gorgeous cinematic episode the direction the little details you could get out of so much stuff here it, it it's it's blowing my mind and i'm gonna celebrate that every time yeah look uh i tell my wife i love her every day i'm gonna call bad batch beautiful every episode of our podcast i got no problem with that uh because it really really is mm-hmm. um yeah the i think just like the the quality of light in in the trees just the 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 quality of the end, I think the reason that it's just like, it's not just like aesthetic, like cool, that's extra good, you know? It's the fact that it it affects how I feel emotionally about this show. Like just the quality of that, that forest planet really brings out all the moods that you get from a forest, from like the dark horror of the beginning to the like, you know, uh, horrific irony of this kind of beautiful, peaceful mountain that's containing this utter horror. The fact that the actual forest is palpably beautiful mm-hmm. uh, makes all those emotions stronger for me. It's, you're exactly right. They are not just showing off. Maybe there's like 10% of, look at this, right? Now that tree looks like a tree, as they should. It's not. It's so effective. There's little tiny moments, the use of light, all those things to create the picture, and and you're able to just tell more of the story, even on facial expressions, when, you know, we all remember when the Clone Wars first popped up, you know, they're still perfecting the art. I get it. Technology changes as it should. And it should get better. But, like, you know, you couldn't tell all the stories with a eye, a close-up of Ahsoka's eye, you know, <laughs> or face. <laughs> like, and now you can. And so they're, it's, it's just an amazing tool in the toolbox. Yeah, and there's this one shot uh, where when Omega and Wrecker are uh, playing that game on Gonky, and oh, it's Omega's turn, and she kind of scooches forward in the chair, and it's just like I almost rewound just for that for Omega scooching forward in a chair because it was so shockingly realistic, and like yeah. it, it's one of the, it, it makes it makes me feel even more connected to Omega because she feels so real. It but, feels but, so such a human little gesture. Yeah, I want I want to dive into that for a second because I I, I had put another moment I was going to kind of jokingly put in the action moment, but it, when they tell Wrecker and Omega to go back to the ship. They're going downhill and and Wrecker and Omega, but Wrecker is taking careful downhill kind of slippery slope <laughs> steps, right? Especially he, for a big guy. Yeah. And it, I had the exact same reaction. I, and I rewound it. I rewound it to be number one that I kind of really see that. And two, yeah, it's there and it's subtle. But it it, it, it just, it's very realistic. And also it's about this character. It's about Wrecker. He's just like, oh, be careful. And, <laughs> and, and, and the scooch moment. There's another great moment. Um, I think when she finds the tracker uh, and another moment where, uh, she calls, uh, I think she calls Wrecker up to the front, right? They got to go and she does wave. And it's, and it's, you could have done that nine, 10 years ago. I get that. I'm not saying that, but it's such a little intimate uh, detail. Like you said, it draws me in more. You're exactly right. Yeah. It makes me scooch forward. 
yeah, so beyond the the beauty and the emotion, uh, uh, you know, achieved through the beauty, uh, man, was this episode great uh, yeah. because it was horrible. <laughs> yeah. In terms of what was going on, just that great sense of doom and dread from like just, you know, it starts with like an actual nightmare, right, of being chased through a dark forest. And it was really great to have a, an episode that, that uh, swung back into a, a lot of action, but all of the action being this just, endless oppressive inescapable horror of the empire so there's just that that great mood and energy throughout uh been kind of saying like a part of the story of bad batch and one of the things that i've been excited for since the announcement is that i was going to tell the story of this era mm. you know that's you know we're really following that that story almost like the uh the republic becoming the empire is <laughs> a, a main character of this show and this was such a huge part of that story and it really got me honestly is a a fan who has you know lived with this for a long time and grew up with the original trilogy in particular that this episode was kind of a celebration of the value of canon storytelling mm. in that it had like lots of fun details of like oh gregor he he touches lots of different, you know, eras and shows, uh, commandos. They've got a great history. We'll talk about all those, but then kind of this big picture canon thing of like this realization sitting on my couch and, and I'm about halfway through the episode and I just kind of have to almost pinch myself and go, I'm watching the origin of the stormtroopers. Yeah. <laughs> it's got a name. It's called war mantle. Like this is just cool. And it has a value because you've lived with this world for so long and this is a part of it that's really interesting to tell of like the beginnings of the stormtroopers. I thought that was huge. It was gigantic. And beyond just the happy Star Wars nerd giggle at uh, TK units, right? And uh, yeah. I know that. But yeah, to actually see it, I, I jotted that down that note as well. We're going to dive into it, I'm sure, in a bit. But uh, yeah, this is, yeah, this is, uh, answers some questions uh, that we've had since. 83 and beyond and 99 and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And lots of storytelling has kind of been able to nibble around the edges of this, but this is the full meal. And obviously we will get into all of those, uh, those details and, and, you know, cutting back and forth from Camino to this base that is so original trilogy empire is that great Mm -hmm. mashup of all the eras, uh, uh, these two eras meeting and transitioning. And then the other big picture thing for me that I really wanted to shout out at the top is, uh, I think there's been a lot in this whole show, but then particular moments uh, like the great moment with Hauser uh, on Ryloth. But then this with Gregor really, really recontextualizing the clones as heroes. Yeah. Um, I, I say recontextualizing because the, obviously the character, the individual characters are heroes throughout the Clone Wars. But yeah. then, you know, when you're watching them be heroes in the Clone Wars and you're learning that they have individual personalities and they are luminous individuals within the force, as Yoda says, like, there's always a little bit of this, like, but they're also pawns. Mm-hmm. And it's really great to see all these characters get to be fully, absolutely no doubt about it, heroes of like, no, wait a minute, we have ideology, we have perspective, we realize what's being asked of us, and we're saying bullshit. I'm not mm-hmm. doing that. It's really fist pumping to have lived with these characters for so long and get to see them not as pawns of a coming horror, mm-hmm. but as heroes who can make a choice and say no. Yeah, uh, real big stuff, real great stuff. There's uh, some quotes of, of Gregor that I wrote down that are just simply, I don't even know where to put them into our conversation other than right here. of just like hearing him just be like, you know, if you ask me, it's the ones who want to stay here are really defective. I love that line. I love that. Uh, oh. It works as comedy, but works as a statement as well. 
Yeah, no, a ton of great ones. So, yeah, this, you know, this we, we're soldiers of a republic that doesn't exist is like, mm. ah, that's heartbreaking. But, yes, yes. But really makes it clear of like, yeah, we fought for the republic in the, in the way the empire be, is behaving is not the republic that we work so hard to defend is really great a uh, peek into the characters. Yeah, amazing stuff with, with Lama Su uh, as well. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the empire is not the republic. It was, it was a great sequence. Yeah, absolutely. So let's dive into then uh, the big themes, the ideas at stake in this episode. What grabbed you? What did you feel like was at stake or being discussed? Yeah, I, I failed my theme homework assignment a little bit there because I just focused on one and I just focused on the action and everything. But there's a couple. I have some the idea of uh, the Empire always wins, but that has to do with your choices and what you can do to fight against that. And the idea of helping others, which is pretty big to Star Wars. But I, I really focused on this one of survival. Uh, the Kaminoans know they're about to be killed off. You know, the Empire's canceled all of our contract. That's pretty ominous. <laughs> uh, I know what that means. Gregor just having, from the start of the episode, uh, the, the need to stay alive and now the need to s- survive in this new time. And, you know, hey, we kind of know where he ends up and he has some sort of survival for a while there, for a long while. Um, but uh, this is kind of the start of that. And uh, this idea of the clones themselves, like you were talking about, of just... Just the way Gregor's like, I've been trying to tell you, he, 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 that, that's our replacements. And it's just this this transition and how you can survive, adapt, and change. And a lot of it does have to do with your choices as you move forward into a new chapter, new generation. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's great. I think you uh, knocked it out of the ballpark with your theme homework. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's really what's at stake in this episode. I kind of broke it down into a couple different ideas. In the one I think that, that you're talking about a lot, I, I kept thinking about is fight or flight. Mm-hmm. Um, that almost all the characters we're seeing are have been pushed into a corner by the Empire because it is everywhere and it is not allowing the options that the Republic used to. Like, I really like that the Kaminoan conversation is Nala Se being like, but uh, we've got a great business and everybody knows it and has our business cards. Like, yeah. great, if they don't want to do business anymore, what's the problem? We'll get more business. Yeah. <laughs> Lama Su being, the problem isn't so much finding new business, it's that they're going to murder us. <laughs> they're going to take our technology and kill us. Yeah, I'm laughing only because it had a little bit of unintentional comedy. If, if, if Dark gallows humor indeed. Yeah, I love that exchange. You're so right. It really is like, yeah, should we, should we find another job? No, our current boss is going to kill us. So you can't. Um, yeah. So obviously there's that. Uh, we must leave to ensure our survival. Lamasu says that's, you know, flight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. all through this, people are choosing fight or flight in different ways. You know, Hunter is really unsure about uh, rescuing Gregor at first, right? You know, he, he doesn't have Intel. I think he is really worried about, protecting the family around him. And this is a a choice that Hunter keeps being presented with, keeps dragging his feet and then kind of keeps doing the right thing of, you know, choosing to try to help other people. You know, uh, Mm -hmm. Omega makes this argument that the choice should not be flight. It should be fight. You know, Uh, says Rex's friend is in trouble. That's more important than getting paid. It's a very Star Wars theme. Uh, The echo moment is really big about Mm -hmm. choosing fight over flight. Uh, when Hunter says, you know, we've been going in blind without any reinforcements and um, Echo saying, you did that on Skako Minor when you rescued me. I'd still be trapped in that place if you hadn't. If there's a chance that Trooper's being held against his will, we have to try to get him out. Mm. Which uh, I want to come back to that in just a second. And then, you know, the episode starts with uh, flight, <laughs> right? With Gregor literally saying, you're making me do something I don't believe in and trying to run away, you know? Uh, yeah. So there's just these constant fight or flight 
uh, choices going on. And there's some noble moments where it's kind of fist pumping because our heroes choose to try to fight, but then they are overwhelmed and end up in flight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well done. Well said. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's really interesting to, once again, Omega gets to the core of things and the echo thing was, uh, you know, echo thing was pretty powerful, uh, for me too. I just, it, it, not just the personal connection, but it is, is that big theme that, and, and you said, uh, I love breaking it down into fight, fight or fight or flight, and 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 the, the, often that choice. You, you, you've you talked a lot about with the Jedi about when is it time to fight. Uh, kind of connects in a way to me. Yeah, absolutely. Fighting um, for good and fighting for people. You know. Yeah, yeah, and and I really love that that connection was made with Echo. Of of course he would. There's been a lot in this whole series where he like he has a perspective of he fought more actively with the Jedi. He knows Rex. He knows the regs. He knows the kind of whole state of the galaxy in the battle. Uh, it seems a little bit more clear than the rest of the Bad Batch who seem like they just they went on their missions and they did their thing, you know. Uh, but this really personal viewpoint of like I had my control and my identity taken away from me. And the, the fact that he says if there's a chance that trooper is being held against his will really gets these ideas of big Star Wars themes of choice that that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. But I, I wanted to put a pin in that to specifically ask you, I also had this sort of like bittersweet reaction of like what Echo is saying is so morally pure and, and you want to agree and you want to have the Bad Batch try to do the right thing. But there's this kind of slight practical difference in that they don't have Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> Just like on a practical level, I felt like the pain of that because it was Echo yeah. was making this argument of like, make the choice that you did for me when you were unflinching mm -hmm. as soldiers. Yeah. But then from Hunter's perspective of just trying to keep everybody safe and alive, like it's kind of a big difference that they don't have, you know, one of the most powerful Jedi ever to exist <laughs> fighting yeah. alongside them. Would have been fun if records like we don't have one of those little saber guys. Um, <laughs> I'm right there with you because I've, I've mentioned some stuff before where Hunter's going through a lot and he's still, you know, I, even there's a couple times in this episode where I'm like, have you have have you chosen a side yet, Hunter? Come on, come on, you're there, you're on the right <laughs> side. Keep going. Uh, but again, it's 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 a journey and it's a long, it can be a long journey for some, shorter for others. Um, so I I've always kind of had this uh, Hunter Hunter says things that are probably smart, safe, and responsible, particularly with Omega. I even liked in this episode. No, coming here negotiable. You going back to the ship not negotiable. Uh, I, I like moments like that. It's very realistic because it's uh, adds not just nuance to the discourse, but adds just a realistic angle to the decisions we have to make in life. Sometimes they're hard. Sometimes they should be hard, and you have to overcome that, or you know, pick the right time to fight. I guess. Yeah, well, and, and I, I think that through line in this episode is so great of Hunter, you know, listening to the arguments and wanting to do the right thing, but wanting to try to keep people as safe as possible. And, you know, a great sort of resolution of this fight or flight uh, theme that mm. Hunter chooses flight for everybody else, you know, gives the order of like, you know, this is this is not one of those, uh, you know, uh, moments where we're going to do something really clever and get out of this. Like we are overwhelmed. You will be captured to go. Yeah, is 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 powerful, you know, and yeah. and I think it shows like that Hunter is so desperately trying to keep the people he he is immediately in charge of and that he loves safe. Uh, and every time he tries to rescue somebody else, it it puts them in danger. And he seems like he kind of morally knows that's right. Um, but this makes it so clear that he is absolutely willing to risk himself. Yes. Yeah. 
which I, I just think is is it makes me uh makes me feel for poor hunter of like yeah hey if i was all alone i'd probably take a lot of risks yeah <laughs> it's trying to keep everybody else safe that i'm so concerned about yeah 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 and i've i've uh i've really enjoyed uh, i'm really enjoying I, i'm teasing the hunter hunter or the hunter storyline of make a choice I, I it's it's been it's been a slow burn but it's built to this and and uh yeah now it's uh, literally in his face in the form of crosshair <laughs> Yeah, no, and I think it's a legitimate thing to discuss, and I think uh, some some fan uh, discussion or criticism is kind of centered on a lot of this season is Hunter, uh, you know, refusing the call. <laughs> yeah, you know, we've we've highlighted that a lot of like how Hunter's just like, well, we just got to figure out how to keep our heads down, and the, the one thing I'm committed to is uh, is Omega's part of the squad, and we're gonna raise her and keep her safe. But then everywhere he goes, he gets pulled into like. Uh, being working for the rebels like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that is the call and he still is refusing it you know uh yeah 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 absolutely it's a it's a you know, how often life it's the old old uh god sent you a boat a raft <laughs> inner tube but he didn't take any of them hunter <laughs> i'm waiting for a plane that's my thing <laughs> yeah uh the other big thing theme for me which is you know also just kind of uh the plot uh but just this feeling of the suffocation of the empire of just yes how much the empire is everywhere. You know, the, the omnipresence of the empire is what's causing everyone to have to respond in this fight or flight way. But I just thought this episode did a great job of making you feel it right. Cause every character is struggling to stay out of the reach of the empire. Uh, Gregor is the catalyst. Uh, then we're watching the B plot with the Kaminoans or Kaminoans trying to uh, survive the empire. Uh, mm. I love that Rex, even in his, his message is like, I'm being chased right now by the Empire, so I don't even have a time to finish this hollow call, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, all of our, our heroes throughout the main episode, you know? And, and, and even just those opening shots of that beautiful, dark, nightmare forest with the close-up of the Massives, you know? Yes, it, yeah. it, the It's the literal and metaphorical beast of the Empire chomping at a character's heels and that's the whole thing throughout the episode right and then they make it really concrete with uh just getting this really really straightforward canon of uh these recruits come from all over the galaxy they swear loyalty to the empire they're not as skilled but there's an endless supply of them says gregor yeah um God, man, I love I love when you say something that gets me excited, friend. <laughs> and I just I just love uh, the way you painted this wonderful picture. Of this episode starts with running, running, running. It's a great sequence. I'm, I'm going to talk about it later, I'm sure. But like, literally, the empire, the, the new empire, the one that's forming, biting at, the, biting at the heels, and it leads to one of my. It, 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 I don't know why it shook me more than it. I, I, it shook me. The idea of um, the, the Lamasu's potentially last moments. We'll discuss that in, in the canon and lore stuff, but. Do, do that line of uh, you know Admiral Rampart, uh, you know, the, you know what, what are you doing here? And and and, and Rampart's like, I'm disappointed. And <laughs> like, and Lama Su just kind of, even though Lama Su knows the score, Lama Su just kind of giving that answer of like, I've I've done everything you've at, like I've served you, I, I held up my end of the bargain, and just the idea of like that don't work. The Empire don't care. It's not the Republic. The Empire always wins in the situation. You're about to be killed. And just there was something real ominous about that. And it was the Empire coming and, and, and they will catch you, uh, which is what we want to fight against, which is what Star Wars is going to be dealing with here for the next 19 years or so in storytelling. But you know what I mean? Like, so from that yeah. moment of the, the biting of the, of the heels to the Empire's like, no, we're here. You failed. We're going to kill you. 
Yeah, no, I think that's really powerful because, uh, you know, following this B-plot of the Kaminoans, it's not like, uh, I think their story is one where like they made a deal with the devil out of greed. You know, that's very much Lucas's uh, perspective of so much of the prequel era is the, the dangers of greed, right? And mm-hmm. Lamas, who even has that great line of like, we empowered them, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I've got it written down somewhere, I'll find it, but you know what I mean. But you know, watching this story, it's not like Lama Sue is like, ah, now we're going to take over the empire, overthrow the empire. Just like, we're trying to get new samples for you. So you will continue your business. Like Lama Sue isn't actually doing anything from the empire's perspective. Yeah. That is horrific. It's just that the empire is like, no, we don't want anyone else to have any power. And yeah. you, you got to go. It, 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 it strikes a similar chord to uh, Lando and, and, and on Bespin and Empire, right? His deal's getting worse all the time. You know, bread, <laughs> all the deal, all those wonderful classic lines. But it's like, yeah, the house is going to win here. And, and it's about trying to topple the house, I guess. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I feel like this, uh, this uh, idea of the Empire just sort of suffocating and chasing down everything it gets repeated again and again. The, uh, mm-hmm. the actual amount of these... Uh, early stormtroopers and clone commandos who are not as skilled. Uh, we get to actually see it in action. They are not as skilled, but they are everywhere. And there's too many of them. And that it, uh, extends to uh, all those V wings, you know, chasing down the Marauder. Again, we get that sense that, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, tech in Wrecker are more skilled, but there's just too many of them. There's this swarm quality of the V wings, right? That they're not a threat by themselves, but there's just so many of them. They're everywhere. And then even to me, just like the size of the installation, that this idea of like, well, it's not supposed to be anything on this planet, uh, you know, uh, allegedly. And then there's this huge, huge, uh, you know, base, this installation inside a mountain, which is also an imposing, immovable object, you know. Um, And then on top of all of that, I I really felt like they just like it's everywhere. You can't get away from it is even in the music cues. I love that Kevin Kiner doesn't just go straight for the, you know, Imperial March of Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. These are all these cues from Star Wars A New Hope, right? Yeah. Of just that the, the, the little kind of cues that feel like they eventually became the, the backbone of what the Imperial March exploded into in Empire. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I expected to hear, like, uh, they split up. They're in levels four and five now. Yeah, uh, it was wonderful. Wonderful. Because it, 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 it totally evoked the feeling trapped and lost inside the Death Star, inside the inner work, workings of the Empire. It worked on that level for me. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just thought that was uh, a really great uh, theme that is like, it's explicitly the plot, but then you, you were made to feel it in lots of different visual and uh, oral ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, any other thoughts on, on the themes of this episode before we dive into kind of how they reflect bigger Star Wars ideas? No, let's cannonball on, on into the deep end then. <laughs> yeah, so what do you got there? Um, I just, again, the overall, this idea of uh, the Empire, I keep saying the Empire always wins because I'm not rooting for them. It's just, you know, there's hope at the end of this tunnel. But how this all does boil down into to the choices you need to make in the in the bigger Star Wars picture and how I always keep going that this is this this show in, in, of, of the many things it, it's doing, I really do love how it's laying the groundwork for rebellion. And, and those pieces are going to have to connect to people like Infus Nest. They're going to have to connect to even more to Saw and, and Galen Erso, all the stuff that we know and all the things we're yet to learn. I, I always go to the show connecting to that bigger perspective of the choice, the choice to fight. Like you said, fight or flight's great. How do you survive? And then in this new era, 
you change, adapt, and a grow, and as you find your own identity, it's all this big stew of of that of that picture of the rebellion for me that I continue to really uh, just love in this show. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, I think I was processing some of the same things. Uh, you were processing it from a, a hopeful perspective of there are there are heroes who are fighting back. <laughs> it's rare um, for me to go hopeful, so you know. <laughs> no, it's great. I'm uh, thrilled with it. I think I was affected by just the, that big Star Wars theme of change and facing the unknown. Um, mm-hmm. That change is going to come. Sometimes it's just natural. You know, the natural change of of life of getting older or taking the next step on your adventure or that kind of thing. But then there's also like the Jedi philosophy of there's some things out of your immediate control mm-hmm. as an individual. And it's like, just, I felt that huge amount of change and facing the unknown from Hunter really being like, we don't have Intel. Like mm-hmm. they maybe do this if I had any clue what was going on, but like, they just can't know cause it's, it's new. Right. And then just everything they're facing from, uh, the changing codes to uh, troopers that they don't recognize to, you know, Camino is like, no, everything is changing now. It's like this brick wall of sudden change and our characters, even though they're aware of it still kind of can't seem to fully accept it. Yeah. Yeah. Not quite there. And sometimes you're going to be thrown into the, into a cell and (laughs) asked to really decide. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And tech just like tech has, a lot of evidence that maybe the normal codes won't work, but he's just kind of like not seeing or accepting change. Like, well, I put the code in. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you're still not getting it, dude. Yeah. There's some great reads uh, by D Bradley, uh, Bradley Baker on, uh, on Gregor. Just like idiot. Like you said, <laughs> are you not listening? <laughs> are you not connecting to the themes of the story in front of us? <laughs> yeah. I think the other big Star Wars theme for me is one that you mentioned. And I think it is in some ways the kind of the, the real heart of this episode amidst the horror is that idea that helping others is, is the right choice, right? Um, yeah. Maybe you can uh, finesse what is strategically the best way to do it. But this idea mm-hmm. that you can't know that somebody is in, in, horror you know and not try to help them um yeah. and, and and uh omega kind of constantly having that perspective and saying well that's more important than money right and then uh with the argument from echo of like we have to try and and maybe they were wrong maybe maybe they well maybe they were right that absolutely someone needs to be helped but maybe a hunter was right that but we needed to approach it in a different way and, and yeah. i like that that it lends lends itself to that um, question of practicality while still really presenting this strong, consistent Star Wars morality that, of course, we help others. Of course, that's more important than money. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah absolutely agree. Yeah, yeah, helping others is, uh, Anakin will tell you, as mom says, pretty important. <laughs> yes, yes. Any other uh, big themes you wanted to look at? No, no, and I, and I don't know, sometimes I, I might re- repeat some of these connection motifs but i just think that this show is really a, a long-form essay on this transition and uh, and how we get from here to the rebellion it really all and, and even to star wars rebels which is more even you know the the the, the actual building blocks are are there and we're, we're putting them all together sometimes literally with the cells this is the emotional beginning of that this is how it's happening gregor just kind of looking around and going yeah i was instructor here I got out and the ones that stayed are defective. That's, that's the choices everyone's going to start making. Yeah. And that line about, you know, they swear loyalty to the empire, you know, and you get that picture of stormtroopers that 
they are, you know, they're drinking the Palpatine Kool-Aid. They're drinking the, <laughs> they're taking in the propaganda of, you know, the, the, this great big story of it's not just the Anakin or the Jedi who gave in to fear. It is the Republic, right? That uh, Palpatine cre- successfully created this other to fear of the separatists convinced everybody you know enough people in the galaxy that you that the only way to be safe is to be adversarial and to be strong and violent and push back and you can just there's nothing utterly explicit in this episode but for me i can just feel that of like why would recruits across the galaxy say yeah to this to joining this and to really believing in this and you know that one stormtrooper we get to hear call uh gregor a traitor like for me it just it, it all flows from that idea of propaganda of like do you want to, you know, keep having a safe and secure society? Well, then suit up. Here's a blaster, you know, yeah. always see everything and everyone is a threat and see yourself as a this great big defender from yeah. the threat, you know? Here's a big, sweet, sugary glass of wild berry flavored sheaf. Just drink <laughs> it. Drink that Kool-Aid down. Drink that Kool-Aid. Drink that sheave Kool-Aid. Yep. Uh, which Gregor was having none of. And with that, with sheave Kool-Aid, I know I need a break. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back to discuss a ton of great action, comedy and a lot of canon. We'll be back in just a moment. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. our discussion of episode 14 of the Bad Batch War Mantle. Uh, let's talk action. Ken, there's a lot of action in this episode. What were some of the moments that spoke to you? Man, let me, where do I begin? Just from the beginning, <laughs> the opening chase on Dara, I mean, I'll say there was a couple of repeated beats. I mean, this is a super nitpick. It's not at all, but just, I was like, okay, this is, I watched it the second time. I was like, oh, this is longer than I thought, but it, it worked. It was so effective and the tension built. Uh, and, and, and all that ends in, in uh, the, the capture of Gregor. But that just was a wonderful sequence, full of action, full of theme like you, you brought up and we talked about. And again, beauty, just beauty, just a beautiful, tense chase to start the episode. Yeah, I know. I kind of wrote this down in a jokey way, but I was legitimately emotionally affected by it in that whole chase. Like the, everything about it is great. The, the close ups of the, the massives terrifying. But uh, when Gregor gets stunned in the butt. <laughs> Uh, that was, I wrote it down in a jokey way cause I couldn't help myself, but, it, but my actual emotional reaction was I never seen that like a glancing mm-hmm. blow, uh, from the stun bolt. So that was like, kind of felt fresh. 
Yeah. Um, maybe it's been seen before, but I'm not remembering in the moment. But it just it added to that nightmare quality. That's like that's literally a nightmare of like I am running through the dark forest from something that is going to devour me, and now I can't run fast anymore. Yeah, it was, it was horrifying. Yeah, no, it, it all works. And and, and uh, when I said there was repeated beats, just a couple times it felt like uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, or I would think it's Eric Idle that's charging the castle, or maybe Cleese, <laughs> and they just they keep showing him running, and they cut to him at the front day door, which is hilarious. Uh, so I just a couple times I kept going back to the the the, the animals, so the massives, and and uh, I was like, okay. 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 But uh, all that ends so well. And that I do, I, I, that limp when he's just pulling away right? and stunned, I had the thought of like, is that possible? I mean, is it just because he's stronger? Is it a bad shot? Maybe that was <laughs> the answer too, or just the whole tension of it. It was something new and it was, uh, it was, uh, it was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe better armor. Who knows? But yeah, that whole opening sequence was great, but the, the lower leg stun, man, amazing. Um, I really liked a ton of the action uh, once they get into the base, obviously. Uh, but one <laughs> one beat in, I, in particular I liked is uh, Gregor throat punching a stormtrooper. <laughs> ah, yes. Uh, it, it's really it's a really quick shot because they throw the smoke grenade and uh, and Hunter is uh, choking the clone commando uh, to mm. knock him out without uh, killing him. And y- you haven't learned yet that Gregor is the instructor who hasn't taught them everything but then when I watched it the second time I was like that's a move he didn't teach them it's like you know one thing you have to watch for in this armor is your neck is actually vulnerable (laughs) (laughs) and he used that love that love that I love him yeah I don't train him everything I'm not dumb come on (laughs) yeah uh, Gregor was a was a good comedy machine uh what were some other moments for you I love there's a little moment of a stun grenade shocking multiple troopers yeah you know just liked it Hey, no, what are you gonna? It's too violent. Um, and then also, uh, there's one little moment where like Hunter ducks to like the side, and a stormtrooper runs by, and then Hunter like stuns him. And I think like, that's actually Tech. Is that Tech? Oh, Tech! I apologize. I'm just <laughs> giving goggles. I apologize. Um, uh, yeah, that I, well, hilarious, and another Tech humor moment. Uh, I thought I really it had it. It too had some money Python type of uh, ding 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 ding. ding. Stunned one. We got you. It was hilarious. Of that, yeah. They just the pulling over in the side, and that. Oh, you ran right in front of me. Well, this is what you get then. <laughs> right. right. Uh, I, a general action question. Uh, how did you feel about them continuing to just be like their policy is stun? It's so funny. I was. I saw a rather upset comment about it on our friend Alex Damon's uh, um, uh, uh, Instagram page. Or someone okay. was very complimentary of the episode, but they were like, I'm just tired of them stunning. Just kill. Just kill. <laughs> and it made me like it more. I'm not no disrespect to that person, that person's opinion. But I I I heard their opinion and I went, hmm, no, I think I like it. I, I they are still at the time, and again, they're now they're shooting stormtroopers, but there's this idea of of fighting brothers. And understanding who might be under that mask and what they might be going through with the chip and whatnot, and and will that will that play going forward? Do they even have that conversation? Do we see it on screen? I don't know. I don't think. But like, of hey, we we might need to up the game. Like, I don't know. So I love that it was still there. It meant something to me. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think it it, it goes to a little bit of this contextualization of you know the stormtroopers and in the clone commandos who are either still being uh, impacted by the chip or are, you know, making a not great choice out of their individual ability to choose. They're just firing away, you know, on questioning and that the Bad Batch is still kind of doing things their way of stun them just in case. 
um, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I think it really has uh, some power. And I think, you know, th- there is something to be said for, well, we have known that this is a setting that some blasters have since the first film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's really interesting to see heroes just choose to use it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really like it. And the sound effects, cool. Sound effects, cool. And look, I, again, I think that, they, they, again, they might have to change the setting. They might. It's going to be part of this. People are dying. The, the V-Wings, I mean, there's death, you know. it's. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, but it's not just, and, and the, going back to that comment, I don't, I don't mean to call out this random fan of, of Star Wars Explained, but like, uh, I get it, it's a kid's show. It's not because it's a kid's show. It's a clear thematic choice for this squad, and it, it has it has its purpose. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's uh, it's going to serve them well for a while here. Um, in, in this episode, one of my favorite action moments was when they didn't have that option. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when that when they're waiting to for pickup and that clone commando uh, is on him and they throw him into <laughs> the opening and he gets shot by own, his own dumb troopers. And then my favorite thing, Ken, falls from a high place with a scream. Yeah, I have we. Have we delved deep into why why you like that? I love that you love it because it's fun. It is, it's a weird Star Wars tradition too, but I love that you're like, Yeah, it's a Star yeah. Wars tradition. Yeah, I see it. I go, he's making it up. Yeah, it's it's just, it's it's the heart of adventure serial, right? You know, like it's cool to have a sword fight. It's way cooler to have it on the top of the castle, you know? It's mm-hmm. you know cool for Indiana Jones to be punching some dudes. It's way cooler on a rope bridge over a chasm. It's just it's just this literalization of heightened the stakes that is mm-hmm. such a tradition of adventure serials. And I mean, I glommed onto it when I was a kid. Like mm-hmm. I remember a couple of times that um, my family moved around a lot, and I don't know why I remember this one particular time where we were looking at different places we were going to live, and uh, my mom let me bring my stormtrooper action figure, and I kept trying to vote on where we would live based on if there were high places where I could play. Like I remember like there was one that had a fireplace that had a high mantle. I was like, we, we gotta, we gotta get this one. Cause my stormtrooper can fall from here. <laughs> there you go. I love yep. it. So it's, it's very deep. The, my love of uh, characters getting hit by something and then falling from a high place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was just cool. A cool move where also it, it, it showed that like, yeah, no, we're, we're choosing stunners, mm-hmm. stun blast first, but, yeah. we're also trying to survive like you said with the v-wings and also like the this the clone commandos are a bigger problem so and this guy's on us and he's got to be dealt with so just shove him out there yeah yeah i like yeah <laughs> what, what are some other action moments from you yeah um i uh, i call it another temple of doom memory and i know that this is used elsewhere fugitive as well so but i am an indiana jones fan so i always go to indiana jones but we talked about the uh, cart race last week now we got the running out of the reactor port and just standing on that uh, tiny ledge and just, oops, nothing, nothing but a rope bridge and, you know, alligators down below there. Uh, <laughs> I, I really just enjoyed that. I had a good laugh, whether it got super intentional or not. I don't know. It just makes me think of it. And, and it's just a, it's a fun, you know, serial, adve- serial adventure. One problem leads to another. And I, and I love that. Yeah. Nowhere to go pipe is great. Yes. Always great. Uh, jumping back uh, to slightly earlier, I liked the the moment too where uh, they were taking down the stormtroopers uh, left and right, and that kind of caused the like. I thought you said you trained them, <laughs> which was a funny line. Yeah. But then they are still being led by the clone commandos. That's the War Mantle project, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that scene where the clone commando is smarter and you know skips over the elevator and and you know actually does manage to shoot up poor Gregor. And then they have the amount of times they need to stun him. 
Yes. To take him down really up to the terror of like, not only are we being overwhelmed by these crappy uh, stormtroopers, they're still a threat because there are so many of them. But then the clone commandos are smarter and faster and better and harder to take down. It really upped the stakes for me. Yeah, the whole, yeah, everything about it. Raising the stakes indeed, like a good improv. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Uh, Any other uh, action moments for you? Did you like Wrecker being in Omega's uh, bedroom? You know, (laughs) you know, that's my next thing. Wrecker the tail gunner, that's the thing I love. I love me some old style video game gunner action. And there was also something about it this time where, uh, because when I do that in video games, I get really antsy, almost like I go into a weird convulsion because I get so like I, I, I'm really angry when I can't hit the targets. <laughs> Body starts reacting physically. I start just like, oh, you know, get let and, and, and Wrecker at one point he was kind of leaning and had the hand on the trigger and the other hand was kind of like holding on to like the, the, the gun itself in a way. And I just felt the frustration of almost just you couldn't quite get the all the viewings you needed as your friends being captured down below and. So beyond just uh, me liking uh, Wrecker as a gunner, it was a, it was a powerful sequence for me. Yeah, I, I thought it was so great, the whole sequence, the fact that they had to pull away, and that, yeah, you got the sense that, you know, Tech is a great pilot. Wrecker is an expert a shot, mm-hmm. is a tail gunner, and he's taken down viewing after viewing, but it's not enough because there are too many. Just great, great action sequence because it felt like our heroes are truly trapped. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter how awesome they are. They can't get out of this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, all leading to Hunter's fall, which I feel guilty, but I wrote it down as a favorite action moment. <laughs> I, I did too, in all caps. I said, "Great sequence, so close, <laughs> so close." Yeah, the, it looks like it's going to be a cool moment of like, yeah, I'll just they'll dip down and I'll just fly into the hole. Whoops, no. And then, did you keep thinking that? Oh, he's going to catch himself at some point. I, I thought this was Homer Simpson falling down like the what is Snake Canyon, or whatever. Like uh, now, the ambulance. Um. I thought he, yes, they played it very well, that it went all the way down to the bottom, you know, and, and broke his fall enough where I guess he could survive, and that gear's, uh, the gear's tough. But, yeah, from the jump, the leap, the almost the grabs the stairs, the knife is out, everything, yeah, it worked really well. That's why, sorry, Hunter, it was, it was a great sequence. It was a great sequence uh, because I truly felt the emotional pain. And mm-hmm. it was awesome. Uh, any other moment, action moments before we move on? I'm going to put this in action. We can. You might want to discuss it elsewhere. So I apologize <laughs> if I'm stepping on the lead. I finally, finally remembered to put on the subtitles. So nice. I, I call this moment "Gonky Honking." The power droid finds his purpose before Gonky sputtering. <laughs> and that. It's, oh, sorry, I was I was drinking water. That was so good. <laughs> It was so good. Yeah. No, uh, we can we can chat about it. I had put it in canon of like a power droid being used for power. Yes. Yes. Uh, but with everything going on with him and the, the defective and every week, you know, Omega's trying to fix him and everything. Gonky honking is uh, one of my favorite moments. Oh, yeah. So good. And did you feel for poor Gonky when he got lit up? Absolutely. I mean, this, come on. This guy can't buy a break. And uh, he's a hero. <laughs> Gonky is a hero, and, and Omega's going to fix him again. He's going to be okay. Gonky's oh, going to be okay. Going to be okay. Going to be okay. Uh, all right. Did you have some favorite moments of uh, comedy, whimsy, weirdness? Oh, there's definitely some comedy, whimsy, weirdness. Uh, the little tiny whimsy, uh, Omega mimicking the knife spin in the beginning. Uh, I thought that was really good. Beautiful whimsy, but also just like uh, this show has done a really great job of keeping that thread of Omega where she is observant and repeats behavior, uh, often hunters really alive. And, and I think it the, all those little moments add up to 
paying off so much in this episode where she really doesn't want to leave Hunter behind, right? Mm -hmm. There's this connection between the two of them. Love those little moments, indeed. Yeah, absolutely great. Uh, that was one I had written down. Um, I also liked, uh, you said there was nothing on this planet, Wrecker says, and Tech says, that data appears to be inaccurate. I <laughs> uh, like that Tech in that moment is being, you know, a, a good scientist and saying, look, sometimes uh, Wikipedia has some bad editing on it. What do you, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, I, uh, as a follow-up, it's not, it's not, I don't think it's related, but uh, there's a, a line that Tech has that I wrote down that says, not one I've ever heard of, which is just real Tech-like, it's almost Jocasta new. Like it's not in the records, <laughs> not in the archives. What are you talking about? Yeah, and I think there is this. This tech really relies on knowledge and facts and mm-hmm. recorded data. And uh, you know, this episode he kind of goes back and forth between like, oh wow, uh, there's data that I don't have a handle on, and I I wanna <laughs> trying to accept it. You know? Yeah, yeah, love that. Uh, what are some other moments for you? Uh, I think we should talk about the wreckers. They have a point bit. Uh, it worked really well for me in the sense of the first line was delivered so wonderfully awkward. It was such a spotlight on the echo's got a point. I was like, uh oh, uh oh, uh oh. And it worked. And it's type of joke for me that, like, first one, that's funny. Second one, I get it. Third one, you're sticking with it. And that's the best one. So I like it. It's the best one. And it feels honest. You know, it's not just like a bit. It is that, you know, Wrecker's not a deep thinker. He is emotional, yep. <laughs> intuitive, and a reactor. And it's it's nice that it, we can laugh at it and also agree with them of like, yeah, Wrecker, they, they all have good points, which yeah. is what makes choices so hard. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. It's like me and Grace choosing what ghost show to watch on Friday night. They're all good choices and we all have an, a good option. We got to choose the one. Yep, I understand. Choices are hard. Uh, I really like this Omega and Wrecker moment of, you know, cutting back from the the horror and the drama going on in the installation there and uh, Omega and Wrecker playing a game. And again, keeping up with that thread that now we know, like, Omega's, you know, a master strategist and Mm -hmm. you know she's going to beat Wrecker. (laughs) Yeah. She says, it's still your turn. He's like, I know I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean they're they're my favorite, one of my favorite duos in Star Wars now. It's it's the softer side version of uh, Ari and the Hound to me. <laughs> Just oh yeah, great sitcom waiting a record the record Omega show taped for a live studio audience. Yeah, I'd be happy to just watch uh, record process Omega beating him at various games. <laughs> Uh, another moment for me is uh, Gregor had a bunch of great moments, but I like this uh, early one uh, when he's a, called a traitor by the uh, by the early stormtrooper. <laughs> he says, "That's Captain Traitor." Yes. Well, my, my the final moment, moment I, is the next line of insubordinate plebe. I that you just named a great rock band or a created a T-shirt right there. I, I love that sequence. I, I really uh, love Gregor. I, I'm gonna. Go, I, I actually was thinking I might uh, revisit the Rebels, some Rebels episodes uh, this weekend. I, I just I didn't realize again that how much I love Gregor. Yeah, yeah, no, he's he's great and has a lot of great connections. We'll, we'll chat about him in a moment here and getting getting into canon. Um, just two other moments for me. Um, there's this one moment where they open the elevator door and they stun two stormtroopers. <laughs> the stormtroopers have a very funny scream. Ah! It's like it's partially shocked and then they're stunned in the middle of being shocked. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then the last moment for me, 
which is again another moment where just like the, the details uh, is what is making the show really rich and spending this amount of time with these characters is when Omega is so concerned and she's pacing with Lula the Tuca doll that she's had that yeah. great relationship back and forth with her and Wrecker and Wrecker having a Tuca doll and, and putting it in uh, the little home in the gun turret that they made for Omega and it's just this connection between them that you know yeah is really touching yeah, that was great. Omega, yeah, just Omega's just a, a win all around as a character and, and really, uh, you know, we're coming out of a, a Grogu era and, uh, you know, that's a character that just won the hearts of the world and Omega, you know, it, when you're up against Grogu, it's a, it's a hard fight as a, as a character there, but she's just been so good and so real and those it's those little moments that, yes, maybe 10 years ago you could have done on a show, but it, it just feels different now in an animated show. Yeah, yeah, and it's just so much uh, emotional canon, as as you have often said, Ken, of like, that's the this connection, you know, she's so proud of this nice little home, and, and this is one of those times, like she told Hera, like, this is my bedroom, when we're not being chased and shot at, right, right. <laughs> you know, and, and Lula's uh, out of place, out of place, and, and in her arms, trying to comfort her. Uh, all right, let's move on to canon, lore, connections to other stories, because there's a lot. Um, yeah. Daro is a, a new planet. A uh, new beautiful planet on the outer rim, so uh, that's a new canon. Uh, and then Gregor, I did a little bit of a, a review to make sure that uh, my memories are correct, that uh, he did indeed originally appear with Amnesia in the uh, D-Squad Mieber-Gascon arc, uh, where he is working for one of the most absurdly named Star Wars characters of Mr. Borkus. <laughs> <laughs> the Solston who has captured him... Um, and I just thought that was great because I think, you know, that's probably still to this day, maybe not fans' favorite arc. George Lucas says it's his favorite arc. Uh, but that's probably one of those arcs back in the day, especially as it came out weekly, where people are like, what are we doing? Uh, you're looking at one of those guys. <laughs> Did the Clone Wars almost shake you with uh, yeah. all those straight episodes of D-Squad? Yeah, and that's, that's, that's later in the run, right? This is, that's oh, yeah, season, season five. Yeah, it's late in the run. And even so, I'm a fan of the show. And, uh, and I just remember, you know, watching on Cartoon Network or wherever it was. Yeah, Cartoon Network, right? And turning off my DVR, just go, go into the living room and be like, give me a whiskey. Like, what am I, <laughs> what am I doing this frog guy on there? But it, it's, I, I can't wait for you and I to revisit on Clone Wars because, yeah, I, I, I had a passing memory uh, around the time of Rebels that, oh, yeah, yeah Gregor was, yeah, okay, the guy, I remember that. I don't remember it, but I remember it. And so to have it all full circle, full circle and have him mention uh, I, I was blown blown up once and that didn't you know and, and pull from the, that story it just makes it makes a emotional canon but even just the actual canon it just it fits it fit together real well yeah and i think just in our ongoing discussion of which episodes are feel frustrating to us maybe in the moment because they feel episodic they feel like just kind of a standalone adventure not telling the main story that that we're tuning in for mm -hmm. that those those episodes build characters they build ideas that then have you know greater strength and i i would say this is kind of a big canon episode that gregor is the clone by which we hear some of these big ideas about this transition like mm -hmm. and again they they were in canon floating around but this is so on the nose you know and gregor you know, the guy who uh, had amnesia with Mr. Borkus, <laughs> who people probably were like, Ugh. at some point it, about that episode, some fans, not all. And here he is being real important. Yeah, really important. Absolutely. Uh, 
yeah, and then for for people who are not following along uh, all the time, he is one of the other clones that uh, lives with Rex uh, when Rex meets up with uh, the uh, the rebels in Rebels, and uh, he goes on to uh, help free Lothal from the Empire. Yeah, and uh, has a pretty touching final scene. He does, and I think it all it all tracks together well. Any other Gregor thoughts you wanted to share? Uh, no, I love the connection. I love the connection to the Commandos themselves, and, and anytime they pop up, and, and he was one, uh, so he wore kind of the, that gear, and, and then it all tracks, it all connects, um, and and it's not just a nostalgia pop. It is. A, let's actually see what we can do with the story, and I, I love the work. The love the reveal because I, I, there's no way I'm ever going to remember serial numbers, right? I, I don't. You know, I just and so when that's why I really love that laugh when he first makes a laugh. I'm like, oh, wait. Oh, yeah. Well done. You know, and, and it just uh, that worked for me. Yeah. And I think for me, I always really liked that choice in Rebels. because I was so excited to see Rex and then Wolf made, you know, some amount of sense because he's a really cool, distinctive uh, clone that a lot of people like. And then Gregor. I think because he ha- he because he isn't you know a, a cool name like you know Hound or yeah yeah <laughs> or you know Fist Power or you know he doesn't have a badass or a quirky name. It's like he's not a He Man character. <laughs> yeah, like how how did he pick his name? Like yeah, um, my name's Gregor. <laughs> like hanging out with your friends who are like you know Scar and Venom and like I'm Philip. Okay, yeah. cool. Your your yeah. choice. Uh, so I think his name stuck with me. Uh, so I always remembered. It. I was excited when he showed up. I'm like, "Ooh, interesting! The the amnesia clone. Uh, how how did he end up here?" So I like this connective tissue too. Of like, he's got this relationship uh, with Rex, and and this is you know mm. the next chapter of his story, building to where we see him in Rebels is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the clone commandos. I know so many people were, I'm sure, very excited to spend some quality time with that clone commando armor uh, i did a little, little review of that as well here it is uh, from wikipedia about the history of them clone commandos were first mentioned in star wars episode 2 attack of the clones indirectly mentioned during the battle of geonosis the concept of clone commandos was introduced within the star wars expanded universe novel the cestus deception and then there were many other novels and the characters were later heavily featured in the game star wars republic commando Clone Commandos were introduced into modern Star Wars canon through the Star Wars, the Clone Wars episode, Witches of the Mist. Uh, They pop up in a couple other Clone Wars episodes, and they're in Battlefront uh, 2 as well. So lots of different ways to approach them. But I I feel like I hear a lot of people really loving the Republic Commando, the Clone Commando, because they read those books or they played those video games and those kind of critical years where I think people really made a strong attachment uh, to these commandos. Very popular, very popular. Yeah. So, what, what's your connection to them? What's your emotional reaction to seeing them? It's a, it's a little less than than those folks you described, but I just love seeing them. Uh, the the glowy the 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 glow up eyes, as I'd call them, there, I guess, uh, is is from some reason is not my favorite. Uh, but I also like the look and and the bulk and uh, and it makes sense. And this story took that idea and and just. You know, hey, we put them at the front of stormtroopers. They're training these new stormtroopers, and and I like how that kind of fit into it. But it is it's just one of those fun things where you just point at the screen and you go, "Hey, those things," and that works too. <laughs> yeah, and I they I didn't play those video games. Uh, that main video game, I didn't read those yeah. books, so I didn't have as strong of a connection. Um, I've come to really like their design. I think when I first saw it, I think it felt a little bit. Um, 
like it's one of those Star Wars designs that fits in Star Wars, but then it also looks like lots of other things, yeah. you know? Yeah. Looks a little bit like, uh, you know, a space marine from from many other things. Yes. Um, but I've come to like them uh, partially just because of my own experience of getting to play them in Battlefront 2. And that builds a bond. You connect with them. Yep. And I really, I really love them in this episode because that armor like I've come around to the armor in general, or mm-hmm. it's just one of those things like, yeah, maybe it's not my favorite, but it's not something I'm going to get uh, upset about and write Twitter threads. <laughs> uh, I don't need everything to be my personal favorite and I can respect that it is for some people, but I really love them in this episode because I felt like the literal weight of that armor and that mm-hmm. look and that uh, heightened ability, right? Especially yeah. in, in contrast to these just poorly trained stormtroopers who are just like, eh, their power is they're a dime a dozen. Yeah. But the clone commandos are the real threat. Yeah. And it, and it just made me think, too, of, you know, if, if there's suddenly a, a Star Wars story where uh, a, a clone commando survives the entire time and is there during the Galactic Civil War, it would make sense. It would be an interesting kind of wrinkle to a story that we haven't heard yet. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, and then, of course, just the, the big picture canon I want to mention, uh, War Mantle. Uh, this is the term that we heard when Rampart was explaining the idea of this program that uh, you, they would pair uh, conscripted uh, people from throughout the galaxy with a clone commando. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he shouted out the title, uh, War Mantle, which is, of course, one of the program files Jin and Cassian discover on Scarif. Mm-hmm. wanted to mention that because I think that's real cool because when Rogue One came out, everyone was like, ooh, what are all these programs? And it's really yeah. fun to see one. And not and not just like a random one, like yeah. <laughs> the invention of the stormtrooper program. Yeah, really cool. Big. Yeah. So, uh, how did you feel about this evolution of stormtrooper armor? What did you think of that? Of the uh, you mentioned the TK troopers. Mm. They're almost there, but not quite the yeah. classic original trilogy stormtroopers we know. Yeah, they're like little muffin top heads. They're a little different, right? It's a little <laughs> different, uh, but the mask you're getting there, uh, I do like that. It, look, I'm a kid that was uh, on the playground going, well, the Return of the Jedi stormtroopers have a little bit more black outline on their under armor, and like, I'm, I was that kid, all right? Whether or not I knew everything or was making up facts, didn't matter. So I do love studying this and, and the different variations of the clone armor and now getting back to this really unified uh, point and, of course, now conscript, conscripted, uh, conscripted, uh, troops in there. Uh, I, 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 I like where we're at. Cause we're not, we're not too far. I don't know that the time jumps are, are so, somewhat unclear and we're all sometimes can get obsessed with time, the actual time in star Wars. Uh, we're not too far after Re- revenge of the Sith, right? We're not too far after order 66. And the fact that we're really seeing the first weeks, months of that transition excites me. And just on, on the, on the uniform, on the armor level. And so I thought it was a fun thing, fun to call it out. And, and and fun to just see it. Like I said, that's this is Star Wars history we're seeing. Yeah, yeah. And I like that they were kind of stormtroopers with uh, mullet helmets, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, instead of 70s hair, they kind of have a 70s helmet with the longer sort of uh, uh, yeah. fins on the side, I guess. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah. They had a little bit of that vibe. And, and, and Star Wars Rebels, we got a lot of those guys. A lot of them were on like speeders or like early biker scouts or something or just general troops. So they had the helmet. Looked like almost Mimban mud troopers, and uh, then they had the but the mask came down. It was just kind of weird combos of, of all of those things. Yeah, yeah, and, and not quite there in, in the uh, way that we recognize it, but you get that sense that it will be very soon. Yeah, uh, a couple other things here. Uh, I liked the uh, the 
consistency in Star Wars technology that main reactors do have external exhaust ports. <laughs> yes, yes. And you can shoot things into them and you can escape out of them. Lots of lots of options with external exhaust ports. Yeah, love them. Uh, obviously, the, the V-Wings and uh, seeing the Republic gunships uh, being the, the ships of terror is is hard and, and successful. Uh, yeah. We talked about uh, Gonky being used for actual power. Uh, last big thing I wanted to talk about is the, the tragedy of Camino. Mm-hmm. Let's get into it, Ken. Was that the end of Lama Sue? Look, you and I are in the same boat. We were listening, waiting for the laser blasts. We didn't necessarily hear them. So, hey, it's the old Game of Thrones model. If you don't see their death, good chance they're alive. But there was nothing about this episode that gives me confidence. Mas Ameda being shot in the side of the head. I had more confidence. Uh, Orn Frita, yeah. Excuse me, excuse me, Orn Frita. Uh, Mas Ameda, he's lucky if that happens to him. Uh, Orn Frita getting uh, shot inside the head is, is, is uh, more faith in his survival at, at that moment than <laughs> this moment, which had no laser blast and door closing. It just nothing about the episode gave me hope. Yeah, no, I, I almost felt like it was well, maybe maybe there is something more. Maybe there is like the, they're going to torture Lama Su for information or keep yeah. Lama Su locked up. I think that that's certainly the end of Camino being at, at all uh, its own government. <laughs> uh or under its own power um but it did feel like yeah wow that's that uh, i I expected those two blaster bolts to go off so maybe that was having a little bit more of a sensitivity or maybe uh we will see lama su again or lama su's corpse (laughs) yeah 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 effectively it, it felt like the moment we've been waiting for as fans of like what happened to camino yeah, I mean, it's very clear. I, I Even the clones being pulled out, which I put all caps of like the switch, like this is like we're seeing it. We're seeing them move out of Camino, packing up all the guns and rifles and outfit, just everything about it just like wasn't this dramatic. Everyone's going around setting fire to Camino. It's just like they're moving out and, and, and this ominous nature, which was almost so businesslike. You know, just like, no, we're not getting new clients. We're, we're, we're not, let's say we're done. And to see, and so, so just, I, I kind of liked it and it, and it had, uh, it has ramifications and I would love to hear a little bit more. And maybe we go back and we see and get some answers, but it, it was tragically beautiful in some way. Yeah. And, and if we don't ever see Lamasu again, or if we get verbal confirmation that, that Lamasu was killed, I'll, I'll be happy with that moment because it was just so om- ominous and it was so, uh, rampart just being, really really cruel of the like i have use for a scientist i have no use for a politician and yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> the door closing like there's no wiggle room that's it oh and the final look with with alice say and everything yeah it, it could tug on your heartstrings if you're if you're uh if you're open to it yeah um so nala say it appears did not make it off camino uh what do you think happened to the young clones that she was trying to get off the planet i interesting question because what's Rampart's actual line in the beginning, get like all feasible clones or something. All viable clones, yeah. Well, it's feasible that they're viable, I guess. Uh, Yes, that's the line. Viable. It made me think of, you know, uh, the other, uh, you know, clone 99s around, the defective ones and everything. They're done for. And yeah, the kids, like the the Empire, I mean, do they have the time to train them? Is it resources that they're willing to use? I don't know. Hate to think. Hate to think. It's a youngling part two here, but. I, I kind of felt like it was a real, real soft touch on 
a bad thing happened and we're not going to dwell on it yeah. is, is the way it really, really felt to me with kind of the, the, the darkness and the horror of the empire of, mm-hmm. yeah, they're moving on to this other program. They are making use of the valuable, viable adult clones. Yeah. Um, but these young ones, like that's the time and money to train them. And these clones have shown a lot of spirit and individuality and that is not wanted in the empire so i I can't imagine anything great happened with those young clones yeah i agree sad uh and upsetting but there you go um so one other thing i wanted to ask you while we're talking about the the great uh tragedy of camino because it kind of for me uh, it's big on the the plot mechanics so lama su had put out the bounty to try to get omega back in order to use her her DNA to restart a better clone program to try to uh, convince the empire uh, to keep buying their wares. Clearly none of that worked. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so do you feel like Lamasu's bounty is still active? Do you feel like that threat mm-hmm. to Omega is still active? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you got a lot of characters still out there. Some we've met Fennec Shen and whatnot that are, are still going to have, I think an interest in what's going on an interest in Omega. So uh, I could, I, I, you know, if Nala, and if Nalase picks up the credits, so to speak, and is uh, whispering in the shadows of an imperial laboratory, uh, I could still see uh, it definitely being a factor. Yeah. Could, yeah. yeah it, sorry. Uh, good again, lead to, to Boba Fett. Yeah. And it felt like Cad Bane kind of took uh, his uh, losing that bounty personally so that mm-hmm. he might still just be on it to be like, I'm going to, I'm going to capture her and then maybe have a rude awakening. It's like <laughs> He doesn't have a client to return her to. Yeah. Indeed. Was there anything in this episode that you disliked or questioned? Other than that, it was uh, it could have been ten more minutes longer. <laughs> I really, yeah, I really love this one, and, and I love the consistency of the episodes, especially when you're watching at midnight and you're you're an old person waiting to go to bed. Uh, I, I am, I'm happy with the length of the episodes and, and don't expect anything else. But yeah, as, as we get to the end here, you know, you kind of want five more minutes. I'd had that I had that thought just looking at that mountain when they're seeing the base and everything. This is a really fun episode and a lot of stuff going on. It was wonderfully written and directed. So nothing. They didn't leave anything off the table. Yeah, I spent like the last 10 minutes going, come on, come on. I wish uh, I wish I could just watch the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a compliment, not a criticism. Uh, yeah, in a, like I said at the top of this podcast, you know, I do understand where some fans are coming from that they're wanting Hunter and or the rest of the Bad Batch to be uh, more proactive than reactive. Mm-hmm. But I think this for me is really a, you know, engage with the story that you're being presented with. That's not a like, Oh, whoops, we the writers forgot to make Hunter proactive. That is the story. And yeah. valid to to say, oh, I don't like it because it doesn't feel like its foot is on the gas as a as a taste thing. But it is so clearly to me, as this season heads towards the end, this is about Hunter resisting the call of knowing what he wants to do, knowing who he kind of wants to be, but being concerned about it and and feeling like it's it's too dangerous, not knowing how to reconcile taking care of the people around him with suddenly becoming this different idea of a soldier that is this, right. you know, just virtuous hero who goes around the galaxy helping everyone else, regardless of the risk to his family. Yeah, and I look with the story, Hunter, I think once you get to some next big chapters and next big choices, or even at the end of his journey, I think this is going to be a type of the, a show that will reward you by going back and really studying the moments and the beats and the choices of Hunter. Uh, I think it, 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 will, it will be uh, fulfilling to, to go back and see the whole story again with him. 
Yeah, because I think it is just like a, you, you could approach it from a, a, a comic perspective, but I think it really works dramatically. Like you can make a great smash cut video of Hunter going, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah. Okay, I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because that's that's his journey. Uh, do you have some hopes for the next episode? Pedal to the no. Look, here's the thing. I think we're going to have some <laughs> uh, big things coming. Uh, I'm not expecting it all to be a big old uh, fight shootout and. You know, we know the, the larger Rebel Alliance isn't coming because they're not there yet. Uh, I don't even know. I, I think Rex could factor into it. Totally could. But I, I'm not even expecting that. I'm excited. I want to know what Rex was dealing with. Who was around him? Was he having a, you know, a nice dinner with Ahsoka and Bale when, when all that stuff happened? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't necessarily. I'm, I'm not waiting. And I don't even know if I want Rex to come back in. I do love the use of Rex. But I, I think we're going to get this. I think we're going to have some quiet moments. I think we're going to have some psychological thriller action with Crosshair and Hunter. And my dinner with Crosshair type of uh, <laughs> middle act of the story in, the, in next week's episode. Yeah, I, I kind of can picture next week's episode being the, um, the exactly what you're talking about. Uh, my dinner with Crosshair of this real philosophical uh, character conflict between hunter and crosshair and really getting down to hunter saying like you're you're not making your own choices you know yeah uh, and crosshair saying like no i'm being a soldier you're you're just flailing around like you know a sad mercenary um it, so that being one part of it and then the other part of it uh, i think is a good possibility of uh omega and the bad batch uh recruiting their friends mm -hmm. you know and those friends could be a really interesting list right yeah uh, Everyone from Rex to, you know, is, uh, is Sid going to get out there in the field? You know, this, uh, I'm spacing on the character's name right now, but the, the Deveronian from the last episode, is that oh, somebody oh, that, yeah, you know, they've built, yeah, Durant, they've, that they've built, uh, a bond with is this reaching out to, you know, cut yeah, lots yeah. of, lots of options of people that they have come across and they've helped that Omega would maybe want to go back to and go like you owe Hunter, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Cut, Cut LaCoyne's a good one. By the way, this morning I was trying to think of Cut's name and all the, you know, I know him very well as a character and I just kept saying Suit, right? His name's Suit. No, wait, <laughs> his wife's Suit. Uh, so many it's characters. the super couple name, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, yeah, the friends we made along the way type of ending could work for me. And, you know, I'll just draw comparisons to Mandalorian. I, I, yeah, and I don't care. Uh, we've got some good characters that we've met along the way here. And if they factor in, I'd be, I'd be happy with that. Yeah, Saw, I mean. Yep. There, there are a lot of people that they have now met, uh, Trace and Rafa, that, uh, Trace and Rafa, I think, I think most likely they go to Rex, right? And Rex yeah. says, here's, here's, here are the resources I have. How would you feel if Ahsoka showed up? I, 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 I I'd be fine. I'd be totally fine. I, I, I would, would be fine. I don't, you know, I'm always going to trust F Filoni created this and he's not necessarily, who knows how day-to-day -day operations was. It's Jennifer Corbett's show, Brad Rouse's show. But I trust Dave Filoni when if Ahsoka's used, he's so protective, it's going to be used well. Uh, the character yeah. is, is my thoughts on it. So I'm open to it, but I don't necessarily want it. Yeah. I wonder if it would be, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to just uh, agree with you. I, I, any anxieties I have, I go, but, but they'll handle it well. Cause it's Ahsoka. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In including, and not even about like handling Ahsoka well, but I think, uh, 
including that I don't think they will let it become the Ahsoka show. I, I know some people feel that way about her episode in Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's great Ahsoka stuff, but I felt like the Mandalorian and Grogu's journey was absolutely front and center in that. And I don't think it's going to, she's just going to show up and it's going to become the Ahsoka show. I think it'll still be about yep. Hunter and the Bad Batch. Yep. Um, yeah, there's that line from Crosshair. I was hoping for the whole squad, but you'll do. Mm. How how did you take that? Did you take that just as like Crosshair has had this kind of a uh, this uh, wooden <laughs> wooden pick in his teeth, <laughs> yeah, literally, uh, but uh, sticking in his craw of like he want they injured him. He's got a scar. They yeah. they're traitors in his mind that he wants just for his own sort of like personal validation that he wants to get them all. Or is there something more practical to what he's saying when he says, but you'll do? I actually think practical. I, I, I think what the, the first description you got, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. And I think you'll get that, right? I think, uh, uh, um, yeah, I think you get some of the that kind of like uh, dance. Like I, I keep saying my dinner with Crosshair just because I love making my dinner with Andre references and have for 20 years in my comedy career. But um, <laughs> I, I, I also took a little bit of, great, let's get those chips back in. <laughs> Kind of, kind of thought, whether it's specifically that or not, of just like we got some good resources, or he just wants to torture them slowly, like a Bond villain. Maybe that could work. Yeah, no, I think that is uh, very, very possible, and and maybe that it could be the plot as well of Crosshair using Hunter as bait mm. to get the rest of the squad. Uh, so yeah, I'm very, very curious about that. I got one other question for you about uh, future episodes. Mm-hmm. So early in the episode, Crosshair and Rampart are talking about an operation, and. In that discussion is that is when they're saying like you know or uh, we're gathering all the viable clones. Uh, we're taking care of Camino. Did you have a sense that the operation that Crosshair and Rampart are talking about is just getting off of Camino and shutting it down, or did you feel like there is kind of a larger plan that they're talking about with that operation that they're using those viable clones for? Uh, that the. Yeah, mm. Good question. You stumped me, but I, I, I still think they're just going to, they are going to burn the offices down at Camino. So somehow that has something to do with it, but to take the clones with Rampart. See, I don't trust Rampart just to be like, ah, we need some resources. Let's load them up and, and go send them out into, into the world. I, I just, I think they have to be careful. I think there's, they're wary of, uh, especially if clones like Gregor are, are, are deserting that that's why they need the 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 blind loyalty of of the uh, new troops coming in and so that they're going to find a way to use them uh in a, in a very special way and i'm trying to think of like i don't know if we want to put them on the front lines and waste them so to speak because they don't really believe they're going to be at war so maybe hunting hunting down republic holdouts jedi even possibly i know the inquisitor is coming that's a different program but you know what i mean like yeah i could see some kind of use there yeah, yeah. I think it, uh, there's a little bit of ambiguity there for me, and it could just be like the operation to leave Camino and to track down the Bad Batch and eliminate them and maybe hold on to Omega if they think that she has value. I mean, the way he said to Nala say, like, I have need of her scientists, and ooh, Omega, she's an interesting sample. We'll keep her. It could just be as simple as that. Mm-hmm. But I also just was intrigued by, like, is there kind of like a bigger plan, maybe even something that would bring some of our young uh rebels together to stop something that they're trying to do Mm, like that so very intrigued last thing for me hondo watch continues for two more episodes (laughs) you still you're holding out hope i'm I'm holding out for hondo Uh, i like that (laughs) not the 80s song holding out for a hero (laughs) holding out for a hondo well done well done 
I would love it. I, I do want to see Hondo again. Hondo, yeah, Hondo's. There should be a whole documentary on Hondo. Um, yeah, you still got time. Maybe, maybe <clears throat> instances. Maybe, the, maybe there's some, they break out Hunter or they can't break out Hunter, and then then Sid's like, well, there's one person I think that can help us, and then there's a knock on the door. You you rang. <laughs> I was just going to say that I can absolutely see them barging into Sid's office and saying, you have to help us. And he's like, sorry, I can't. Who are you on the phone with? <laughs> Hondo. Yeah. 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 Uh, is there anything that we have not talked about that you wanted to touch on? Uh, I don't know if you heard this. The, this show's beautiful. And the music's it's great. Gorgeous. <laughs> the music's great. Uh, the visuals are amazing. And I love my wife. These things are all true. All true. And I can say them all the time. Every day. Excellent. Uh, we always like to wrap up with a uh, a fun question about toys. Ken, if you could have a figure or toy inspired by this episode or a character in it, what do you want? Look, if this is truly the end of Lama Sue, this is a this is a, a big character in Star Wars lore. It really is to me. Uh, give me a commemorative uh, six inch black series Lama uh, Sue uh, uh, Bad Batch version. <laughs> I like that. That's going to be a tall, tall action figure. That's going to defy six inches for sure. Yeah, it was about a nine incher. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, nine inch, a nice nine inch black series, Lama Zoo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I kind of feel like with this new uh, proto stormtrooper, man, that's a whole line, right? We're going to have, uh, we're going to have black series of that. We'll yeah. have vintage. We'll have Funko Pop. We'll have uh, bed sheets with proto stormtrooper. It'll be everywhere. Proto troop. <laughs> Prototroop sounds like something that you uh, take to just even out your digestive system, doesn't it? I need one right now. <laughs> I need to take some Prototroop. Uh, my other uh, idea, and I think I might have said this uh, recently, but I saw it again. I just, I want a gonky game table, like maybe like those those sit down arcade games uh, at the mm-hmm. pizza places where you could play Mrs. Oh, Pac-Man. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> oh, yeah. Two-sided. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I want to sit down just like uh, like Wrecker and Omega, and I want to play on Gonky. Yeah, I'm there for that. Oh, man, <laughs> if they could add that to Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> yeah, you'd big line to play on Gonky. Yeah. And then they can have somebody dressed as Omega who just beats everybody. <laughs> That'd be great. What did you do uh, when you went to Disneyland? Well, I was defeated by Omega. It was great. Yeah. Anyway, a uh, ton of great uh, options for this episode. Uh, any final thoughts on War Mantle before we wrap up? Ah, this is a classic. I'll tell you, it's an instant classic. I think this would be fun to rewatch, revisit, and rediscuss over the years. Absolutely. Just a great, great uh, movement forward in the story and great uh, literal and emotional nightmare of, uh, of the power of the Empire mm-hmm. and the heroism of the clones. Super cool, super, super important. So that is our look at episode 14, War Mantle. Ken, do you want to let people know where they can find us? I would love to. We always seem to get a lot of new ears on the Bad Batch episode reviews. So welcome. We are Force Center. We are on Twitter, Force Center Pod. Instagram and YouTube as well. You can like our Facebook page at Force Center Podcast. You can get an audio book on us by going to audibletrial.com slash Force Center. You get merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. Some people this week picking up the Speculate Responsibly t-shirt. I saw that. Uh, you can uh, find us a lot of spots, including Amazon Music, Spotify, uh, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, uh, all the places you can find podcasts. And don't forget, you can support us directly if you so choose by going to patreon.com slash 4 Center. 
Uh, if you want to follow me, you can go to at Cadnapsuck or my website, Cadnapsuck.com. As of right now, I still have a live comedy show <laughs> in L.A. on August 31st at the Ha Ha Cafe. Uh, late night show on a Tuesday night. Well, we'll see. But right now, it's still going. You can get information on my website. Joseph, where can they go for your wonderful work? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm still having a ton of fun on uh, TikTok and then uh, sharing on the other social media. Just some adventures with action figures. And I look forward to eventually getting some good Bad Batch action figures uh, to share and, and not open right there on TikTok. Uh, you can also find all of my other comedy adventures, uh, comedy albums and uh, shows I've worked on, my other podcast, Obsessed, all that on my website at josephsgrimshot.com but for now for myself for ken for gonky and lula this has been the bad batch report Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.